Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to Winchester Radio tonight. We're going to be talking about um, the latest episode, Profit and Loss. Uh, that is episode 12 of the season of 20. And we are more than halfway. Then that's profit spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Um, and I like this little pun because um, we have more than one profit involved. Uh, not that they're in great shape, either one, but there they are. <laughs> uh, it was written by Brad Buckner and Eugenie Ross Lemming and directed by Thomas Wright, who's directed many episodes of Supernatural and always does a great job. Um, it is well known on this podcast. I am not a fan, uh, usually, of the Buckner and Ross Lemming pair, but I got to give them this episode because <laughs> uh, it has some amazing Sam and Dean brother stuff of the likes we have not seen in a very long time. So I I don't know what happened because it's also the third episode in a row where we've had some great brother stuff. And I don't know if it's the end of times. Um, I don't know if I fell through a tear in the space time continuum and suddenly this is a different universe of supernatural, but I'm happy about it. I also have actually a more realistic theory or not. You guys may shoot it down, (laughs) but it's not just better writing, but maybe perhaps better and different editing because we might have a different <laughs> editor at this point. And instead of perhaps these scenes have, have gone before, but they've been edited out or shortened and all of a sudden they're being left in with a little more emphasis on the Winchester, actually a lot more emphasis on the Winchesters. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I would, in theory, agree with you, except the reasoning that you're alluding to has been gone mm-hmm. for five episodes. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part. The reasoning that you're, that you're thinking that it's changed that reason has been uh-huh. off staff for five to six episodes already. Since okay. Approximately season six. I mean, approximately episode six. I, I unfortunately think, and here, here's the, here's the weird thing is that on one hand, I get, I get, if I'm right with what I'm about to say, in theory, I get it. I just don't think this is the kind of show that you can do that with, but I think it was, done so that this moment and this episode and these scenes would have such a maximum impact. Unfortunately, this is a show where you can't, you can't do that as easily because once you remove the element of Sam and Dean as, as partners in a episode to episode aspect, you really do lose the point of the show because it is one of those things where that's, you know, I'm not, it's nothing against other characters. Other characters are fine. But if you're not going to give me Sam and Dean hunting, then what show am I watching? And why am I bothering? So 
while I do think, like I said, I do get it in theory, and in theory it could work on any other show. This is not a show where you do that because this show, this show is just not strong enough without Jared and Jensen working together consistently. Mm-hmm. It is just, I mean, and it's been that way. This is that's not even something I'm saying is new. That's something I've said for well over a decade. It's one of those things that we've always said. You know, those two together do elevate the quality of the show. There are early season mm-hmm. uh, episodes that I can sit here and say would not be that great if it wasn't for the two of them. So I do mm-hmm. think. I do think, especially as there have been writing quality changes, I think it's ever more imperative that these two actors work together almost almost exclusively. I agree. Um, so you're saying it's not so much different writing, different editing, whatever. It's just the fact that we finally got got many scenes um, with Sam and Dean together. That's been an issue for, well, up until the last couple of episodes, it was an issue almost all this season that Sam and Dean, they kept finding, having to find reasons to write them separately, more time off for one or the other. And perhaps now that we're past the halfway point, more of a home stretch, putting them together more, it's, it's maybe different. I don't even think it's a time off issue in this in this instance because time off is you know it, it has been what they've always what they've been negotiating for and what they kind of I don't want to say push for because that makes it sound mm-hmm. like they don't want to do the show they don't want to work which right. is obviously not the case or else we would not have a season fifteen because this show mm-hmm. lives and dies on their word so right. I, I don't. I'm always hesitant to say it's because they don't want to work anymore because I don't think it's that. I do understand, you know, as somebody who has a normal, literal nine-to-five job, I understand, you know, work-life balance. You know, I'm somebody who mm-hmm. has recently changed the way they work because I had no work-life balance. It's not that I hated my job. I don't hate my job. It's that I had no balance. So... um it is, I, and, I, and I also go back to, you know, this is something they have said since season two. I do think that this was a purposeful storytelling, I don't want to use the word trope because that's not exactly the word I'm looking for. I think, it was a, I think it was a calculated move in order to put us, the viewer, Exactly where we are. Exactly where, where with us saying this is this, something is wrong with this show. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Ergo, when mm-hmm. we get these moments that we've gotten for the past few episodes, the impact is at a maximum level for us, rather than it just being you know a consistent hum. And so, mm-hmm. to a degree, I get it. I and I get it. And in, that's why I say any other show and it would probably work. Because any other show, it wouldn't be so distracting. But mm-hmm. when you have a show where you're sitting there going, why aren't they hunting together? I don't understand. This, this, what? I don't, like, you're not even giving me a good reason. It's the same way, like, mm-hmm. when you watch Law & Order SVU, the, you know, the, the, the original season, 
And you have, once a season, there's an episode where uh, Benson and Stabler do not work a case together. Every season it happens where one of them is with another detective. And it's weird, and it's forced. It's the same concept. It's just, it feels off where, and I think that was, I think that was their intention. I don't think, well, I think it worked in the fact, in the sense that I'm saying it did give us the maximum impact. I don't think it was worth it working. So that's just my theory Mm -hmm. that I've clearly thought about, Mm -hmm. overthought about. <laughs> well, there's a, a another show I watch, um, Hawaii Five O, and uh, the, the the two the two main stars since the pilot, Alex O'Loughlin and Scott Kahn. Um, I <laughs> I still kind of wonder why Scott Kahn took the job because it was no mystery it was going to be filmed in Hawaii, but he's just not a fan of Hawaii. Oddly enough, even though he's a surfer. And he preferred to be in L.A. He preferred the artistic and film culture there, the theater, whatever. Um, But he got the job and he does his job. But as time went on, they're in their ninth season. Um, His thing was, I'll stay, but I need so much time off and so many episodes off. And for a while they would mention – where where Danny was like oh we had to go back to New Jersey to check on something with uh, his family or whatever and and they brought on a couple of other um, members of the 50 squad to kind of take his place and it's been years and he's been doing that and I still notice when he is not there because he has the best relationship the best chemistry with Alex O'Loughlin's character Steve McGarrett they are partners. They're I used to call them the the J two of Hawaii Five O because they were friends and brothers on screen and off. They lived close by when they first started. Um, the myth of personal space, the same things, very very parallel. Um, of course, they're not the, the same people, but it did that's that's how similar they were but it's it's still extremely obvious even after all these years when when Steve and Danny do not work a case together it's different i i you know what it's, i've gotten used to it it's uh but it's not the same show for me that it was the first season or two so i and they don't do it on purpose to to keep them apart to make you more happier when they get back together again that's just the way it is um for them and they tried and they've done their best to work around it, but, but it's not the same relationship the Winchesters have. It's not the same career. It's not the same life. So it's a little bit easier to do than it does with Sam and Dean. It's not as obvious as it is with them when they're apart for us. You know, it's like, it's like they've said, they're stronger together, stronger for us and and stronger for them. Also, Hawaii Five-0 is an ensemble show where Supernatural is is not technically an ensemble show, and is I don't I don't really care if people want to try to argue mm-hmm. that me. It's simply not uh-huh. um, an ensemble no, it's show. Not. 
literally functions differently than this show functions. An ensemble show has a completely different structure, completely different uh, scheduling, and quite frankly, completely different pay levels than this show has. So I don't, I don't have the time or the patience to argue with people who want to tell me this is an ensemble show because it's not. Mm. Um, there are it's regulars. Wishful thinking. There are, it's delusional. Blah blah. Yeah, I, I completely, well, I completely agree with you. I'm not even going to say it's delusional. Um, because I feel like that's not something I have the ability to say. Um, but mm-hmm. I will say that it, it is a fundamental misunderstanding of how TV works, how structures mm. work, how pay and contracts work. It's just a fundamental misunderstanding mm-hmm. of those basic things. And it's it's unfortunate because I think that it's distracting. It's it's distracting as a fan and a viewer to sit there and just expect something that is just, or to get angry at things that really come down to business logistics. Whereas, mm. I'm not going to sit here and say that the first the you know the first half of this season shook out the way it did because of business logistics because. Logistically, Jared and Jensen are not asking for entire episodes off, and their contracts, Jared and Jensen have said multiple times, their contracts are identical. So at the end of the season, their days off shake out exactly the same, and they're both in every single episode. There are ways to do episodes where they are separated, and it's not jarring, it's not confusing, and it's not forced. And that's been happening mm-hmm. since, you know, you go back and all hell breaks loose. They spend almost the entire episode apart. It's still a very brother-centric episode. And then you can go mm-hmm. as soon as episodes as, you know, season 11, Red Meat, or even this season, Mint Condition, where they do spend a significant yes. amount of time separated. But the episode itself endeavors to make sure that you don't forget what the point of the show is. So... Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the episode. I literally mean the show. And so I do think that, again, I do think that this was a calculated thing that either Andrew Dabb or Eugenie and Bob Singer and Brad Buckner, because let's be pretty clear, Andrew Dabb is not the sole showrunner. You know, Bob Singer has been a co-showrunner since day one. Every time there's a showrunner, mm-hmm. He is the only constant. There's, he is the only constant left. Aside, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, in terms of the uh, Burbank, L.A. team, crew, writers and producers kind of thing. Crew, I don't basically. Mean and I know they're more than crew, but they're... Yeah, but I, I, do, I do think that, um, you know, when I went to Paley last March, it did become quite clear that, a lot of very significant plot points are mapped out by Bob Singer and Eugenie and Brad. And I don't mean the I don't mean the minutia. I mean the things like like the AU world. You know, they intended to do that differently. What it was is something that Eugenie came up with 
that they kind of then, you know, Andrew and Robert Barron's turned around and kind of co-opted for Wayward. But it was her idea. So I do think that I do think that the writer room is a little more collaborative than it had been maybe under Jeremy Carver. Um, but I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing, unfortunately. And I say that as the resident duo apologist. I think that this is the kind of episode that they really want to write. This is the kind of show that they really want to do. But... I think that the fingerprints of other people are what caused that little bit of disconnect that we had at the beginning. Or I shouldn't even say the beginning because the beginning of the season doesn't count because there was no Dean for two, for two episodes. Um, but I would say like that, that middle chunk of the first half, which makes no sense when I say it out loud. Um, but yeah, I understand. I, I, yeah, um, I do think, I, like I said, I do think that it was a calculated move. I just don't think this is the show to make that move on. I think it was, a, I think it, mm. while it did give the impact, I think they lost more than they won doing, uh, kind of making that move. Mm-hmm. It's because it's, that's not our show. <laughs> it's, it's not right. the success of the show. It's not why people have stayed and supported and, the show for going on 15 years, it's going to be 15 seasons. It's, it's not why we keep coming back. You know, it's, it's Sam and Dean Winchester, the Winchester boys, as Dean calls them in this episode, they are the center. They are the foundation. And it has to, if you're going to take them apart, it has to be an episode where it's still about them, even though they're not physically together in that scene. Like, red meat, mint condition, all hell breaks loose. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough. But, um, <laughs> have, Becky, have we put you to sleep yet? <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we don't, <laughs> Andrew, I'm, I'm just I am so sorry. When it comes to, like, contracts and filming logistics and ratings, like, that kind of stuff really fascinates me. So I will get, like, super deep dive into it. I stop, I try to stop mm-hmm. myself, but I realize that I do get really um. Hung well, up I, on that kind I don't of stuff. I don't know as much as, as much as you do, but I do have some knowledge, and I I also um have <laughs> after being a fan for many 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 way too many years to talk about you have to you have to have some kind of basis of knowledge on and understand or you'll just go insane that that TV or movies, whoever your favorites are uh, uh, working the most and where you follow them, it's a business. And ultimately, decisions are made on the basis of your show or movie being a business. And contracts and agents and uh, the language of those um, and where you're placed in the credits and all of those things are delicate and interesting. And they, you know, those Contracts go on for pages, <laughs> and and they're mm-hmm. much more that's detailed, why, and they're just not something lawyers. that we don't what we don't think about. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's why actors have lawyers, they have management, they have agents, they have a union, yep. because these contracts are so intricate. And you know, mm-hmm. and it comes down to little things like yes, when you when you see credits and you see a full list of actors, 
and then you see and and another name. Yeah, the and is a perk. Mm-hmm. It is. But also, you're so yes, dependent. It's, it's called the anchor given. spot. It's, it's the often, anchor spot, and, and you think it's bad because they're last, but it's not. It's actually like and no. boom. No, it, 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 it's 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 a it's a place of pride. However, it's also often <laughs> given because it's it's the company saying, "Listen, we can't give you more money, so we'll mm-hmm. give you a better, we'll give you a more prestigious credit spot." Right. Yeah, it's like um, Heather Locke. It is. On Melrose Place, who who was who who never left the status on credits of special guest star because it just meant more in her contract. I'm not sure if it was more money or prestige, but she she never wanted to give up that designation because it just meant more for her behind the scenes than it did on screen. And you think, my God, she's been on so long. Why don't they call her, you know, a lead or or actor or whatever? No, she stayed special guest star because that was the best spot for her her contract and, and right and you have actors that you know like Jim Beaver like Mark Shepard for a long time that have so many opportunities outside of the show that if you don't make the deal sweet enough for them there's no incentive mm-hmm. for them to sign your contract and when you sign a contract for to be a, a regular on a show what you're saying is Yes, I accept this more or less because it's still not set. I accept this more or less set amount of money in exchange for me being at your beck and call. I will mm-hmm. not do anything else. I will not audition. I will not commit myself to anything else. Therefore, you know, like, you know, you have actors on this show like Felicia Day, for example. They have to ask Felicia Day, hey, are you available for this time frame if we write you into an episode? And if she's not, mm. she's not obligated to them in any way. Versus, you know, currently, you know, Misha Collins or previously Mark Shepard or previously um, when we had Lauren Cohen and Katie Cassidy, they are beholden to the studio. They don't have, nobody has to ask them if they're available. You are legally, contra- you are contractually obligated to be available mm-hmm. you don't get to make plans you don't get to go on vacation you don't get to do any of that stuff you don't get to go out for pilot season you don't get to do anything except show up to work and a lot and right. some actors like security or not. some actors some actors don't feel mm-hmm. they need that security because they have enough i don't even know exactly the phrase i want to use but they have they have enough Uh, confidence is a, is a poor choice of words, but they're secure enough in the fact that they think that they could either get another job or financially they feel stable enough to warrant the possibility of not getting another job right away. Mm-hmm. Right. That, we have not talked about this episode at all. <laughs> I know, and I'm so sorry we got on a tangent. An interesting tangent, or, but for some, maybe not everyone. Uh, so, uh, but let's go back to poor Becky, who probably went back to Facebook, and I don't blame her. Becky, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Take it. <laughs> this episode would be awesome. <laughs> Just anything in general about it, right? And, and well, we got saying it was a great brother episode and then talked about so many other things. Why? But <laughs> it's, it's, let's start. Where do you want to start? 
You pick well, it. first of all, I have to tell Vinny, thank God you were right. Last week, uh, last week's podcast, um, I was talking about how I was so scared that um, the scene from the trailer for the epi- this week's episode showing Dean in the, uh, I, call, I keep calling it a casket, but the box um, with his phone going out and all that, that that was going to be the end of the episode. And then um, next week's episode, the 300th episode with John was all going to be some hallucination. And Vinny was like, you know, saying, nope, she's pretty sure it's, it's not going to be important. It's going to be from the first part of the episode, and she was 100% right. So I don't always say this, but Vinny, you were right, and I'm so glad you were. <laughs> the thing is, is I'm so right all the time. Just you need to listen to me more. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I will give you that. <laughs> Although but, I will say that I did not think it was going to be a dream on Dean's part for that scene. I really did think that he would be like partially into the depths in some way. I'm glad I was wrong on that aspect. Mm-hmm. And that scene it, it, was it, it, terrifying. Oh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get I get why. And I had gone to the convention in, in Minneapolis where uh, Jensen kind of spoke about this. But, you know, he mentioned that there was a scene that really was hard for him. Uh, in terms of, like, the physicality and the emotions of of, of filming itself. And I can see why, because he's also mentioned before that, like, the, the scene in uh, Lazarus Rising kind of messed with him. I don't know if he's actually claustrophobic, but I guess just being in confined dark spaces is just not fun for anybody. Um, but I definitely see why that messed with him. And I really liked, I liked that he was scratching at the, I keep calling it a coffin, at the coffin, Me too. and when we got to the motel room, he was scratching at the wall. I thought that yeah. was such a nice – it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was horrifying. And I, I thought that was really – whether that was script or a director choice, it was the right choice. Yeah. It was just the – just in general, the getting getting trapped in a box like that and they're – you know, there have been uh, real-life kidnappings where the kidnapper, you know, puts the puts their victim in a box and then buries them. I, ca- I can't even, like, read or hear the news stories. It just freaks me out thinking, you know, stuck in a box and then him at the bottom of the ocean or wherever. And, and, and then he had his phone and then that went out and he starts, of course, calling for for Sam, his brother, who he, he, that's the first person he thinks of to help him, uh, to be there for him. And, and going from Sam to Sammy, of course, just, and he's just terrified and, and anguished. It was a great moment and, and reminiscent of when Dean goes to hell. And mm-hmm. he's exactly in his mind, he's on the chains and the hooks. And in that, it's him screaming. Sammy and it's the same kind of voice and yeah Jensen Jensen did a great job and I don't know where the inspiration for that box and that that scene of putting him on the bottom of the ocean came from but um, one of my very favorite comics series is Preacher Mm -hmm. 
And Kripke has said before, and he's not the only one on there that said that's one of their favorites and they've read it. And um, at the very beginning of Preacher, there are flashbacks in the comics. Jesse Custer, um, when he was a young boy, his grandmother um, would punish him by putting him in a box and then dropping the box to the bottom of the lake that was on the property of their farm. And all he had was like a little hose to breathe through and they'd breathe through and they would leave him out there for days at a time. And that was really hard to read. So, and um, yes, he had a delightful family <laughs> and just made me think of that. And it made me wonder if, you know, anybody else when they were, writing it or, or working on it made him think of that as well. I don't know, maybe because maybe it has nothing to do with that, but it just made me think of that as well. Yeah, well, well, Becky and I, I last week was that it reminded us of, of Angel season three. Mm-hmm. And, and Connor, me, it reminded Connor me of, Angel. Yeah. yeah. And it reminded me more of that in the, in the aspect of the immortality part of it. Mm-hmm. Because that was the right. whole point. Of, that was part of the point of Connor doing it was that you know Angel lives forever, and right. as Sam points out, Michael has the ability to keep Dean effectively alive forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam would know about that as well because he jumped into the pit with Lucifer to be alive, you know, alive forever with Lucifer. So being, they could both understand each other on at least that level. Um, I, I, and, I have to also say, oh, not to change the subject. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to change the no, subject. No, go ahead. I, I was just, I was just um, saying that Dean must have been calling for Sam for real because Sam comes and checks on him. And I just thought that whole scene was so beautifully shot with Sam coming in kind of quietly in, you know, to the room and ask and checking on Dean and Dean sitting on the edge of the bed, facing away from him because he can't look at him. And you can see the look on Dean's face and then the worry on Sam's face. I just thought it was just beautifully shot and beautifully done. Um, and I was also going to say that I just I absolutely love seeing them in a motel room again. It's been yes. forever since we've seen Sam and Dean in a motel room, and I I loved it. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, before we, so I, guess I do want to motel room two. has two rooms. <laughs> no, no, it's the that, that was a bathroom. That was in the bathroom. So there were because two beds in said, the room. Yeah, Dean wasn't calling out for him. Sam was in the bathroom, and he even apologizes for saying, like, he thought he woke Dean up. It's just the bathroom. Because when Dean gets you know up, what? he also thinking... goes in there. Yeah, he goes, he goes right yeah. in there after he, after they pass, yeah, they pass each other, and he goes in there. I was thinking of the hotel rooms. You know, they're not, or motel rooms. They're not that fancy, but they have, like, a little sitting room and kitchen, and then there's a bedroom that are, that's separate also. But I didn't think no, about the bathroom, yeah. but you're probably Yeah, there's a, like, like the Tall Tales episode that has that kind of, like, kitchenette, but this was a bathroom. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, like, yeah, Sam, Sam does apologize for waking Dean up as well. 
because he thinks that he mm-hmm. won't be up, which I don't think that Dean was, I think Dean was kind of, I don't think he was yelling out for Sam in real life. I think he was very much trapped in his head for that scene, hence the scratching of the wall and stuff. Um, and not to go, not to change it, but it, it reminds me so much of what happened with my husband last night. In the middle of the night, I wake up, my husband's mumbling in his sleep, help, help, and it just scared the crap out of me. And so I wake mm. up, and he was dreaming that he was having a heart attack in his sleep, and in his dream, he oh. got up and around, went around the bed to me in his dream now, and is trying to tell me that he needs help because he's having a heart attack. And so... It was, it was just weird because in his dream he's trying to wake me up and then he actually did wake me up with the help me. But hearing my husband whimpering help, help, was just so scary and I never want to hear it again. But that remind what you were oh, talking about awesome. reminded me of it. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh, my goodness. That is frightening. Much more frightening in real life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jeez. Good Lord. And and it's so scary because it feels so real when you're yeah, in the middle yeah. of the dream like that. Yeah. So, well, I have to back up because, and rethink that, because I just thought Sam was in a different room. I had him pictured, like, up researching, and um, Dean had gone to sleep and was calling, was yelling, well, he wasn't calling for Sam in the other room. He was calling um, in his, in the, his dream just for Sam to come save him. And that's when Sam came, came back to check on him and heard him and wondered what was going on. But I guess he was just in the bathroom. And yeah. there was a nice little director that, that makes it a point to show that both of them are in bare stocking feet. So both of them are mm-hmm. just in their socks. And I thought that was a nice touch Intended to show, like, in theory, they were relaxed. The thing to me that that confirmed that it was the restroom was that when Dean finally got up off the bed, he went into the same room that Sam was. So I thought, you know, yeah, yeah. At that point, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just thinking about what they'd said and what they'd gone through, and I, and I got, I, I enjoyed them being in their socky feet. We don't see that too often. (laughs) And and single, and single layers because Sam had a T-shirt and Dean had his Henley on, one of his Henleys on. So yeah, they're both wearing they're both wearing like just one layer and uh, sweet pants and socks. I have I have a thing for that, so I did notice that. That's just like a thing I have in terms of like men on TV movies. I love loungewear on men. Uh, It's Uh just thing, so I'm always going to notice that. And yeah, they're both in pajamas. We don't pants. see it on Sam and Dean very top. often. So, yeah, no. we don't see it in, in Sam and Dean very often at all. So I, I, we extra notice that and and enjoy it. Um, and and the socks just amused me. I, I don't know. I assume it's the weather or, or whatever that instead of bare feet they had they had socks on. Though God knows what's on that motel room floor uh, rug if it's typical of their motel rooms, and it's probably a good idea to have a layer between their bare feet and a motel room rug. But you know I like this episode this episode was so good for all the 
Brothers stuff. It was filled to the brim. But I, what I also loved about the episode was how dark it was. The mm-hmm. Monster of the Week guy, I mean, he mm-hmm. was dark. And the way they showed him killing those people, it was it was dark Oof. and it was good. And I loved my scary show being scary again. It, it was really, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was good. It was horrifying. I mean, the, the first oh, victim. Oh, yeah. The poor girl being tied up oh. and dipped in the water and saw and cutting her arms in salt mm. water. Yes. Mm. Oh. Yeah, and I, and I, I, I even said like, is is this show actually being horrific again? Because that is one thing. And I know, I know that people get really upset with Eugenie and Brad for the air quote torture porn that they do, but like, it's a horror show people. That's what you signed up to watch is a, is a, is a, it's a, it was, it's a weekly scary movie. Uh-huh. Like when you want to be really, if you want to act really precious about it, I don't have the patience for that. And mm-hmm. maybe I am a little biased because that is probably my favorite genre of movie is horror. And I think it's also a, significantly underrated uh, genre of, of storytelling. But, like, this show is supposed to make you upset. It's supposed to make you mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be about death, blood, and these terrible things that happen. And when it is, I'm not going to complain about the show being that how it should be. This is not... Mm-hmm. It's not a comedy that that occasionally gets dramatic. This is a horror show, and it it's just I I love seeing this movie. And there were a lot of nice touches. Also, like a, I felt like there were some nods to the movie Seven, and maybe that was just like the biblical aspect. But even in the in the framing of a lot of the shots, mm-hmm. and and that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies that I don't necessarily think people see of as a horror movie because it did so well in the box office and so critically acclaimed that people are hesitant to call it that. But at the end of the day, it mm-hmm. is. Yes. And I saw a lot of aspects um, of that in, in these scenes, and I thought it was superbly done, absolutely uncomfortable and and horrific, and if I was someone who got mm-hmm. scared, terrifying. Mhm. I I it's fun because I'm 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 not just not big on that horror is, is not my favorite genre, but I understand that that is very much a part of supernatural. I'm not going to complain about it because I can't because that's that's supernatural at its best, <laughs> and it's a it's a um, it's an absolutely foundation. A characteristic of this show to it's supposed to be horrible and horrific and have those terrible things happen. That's what it's built on. That's why Sam and Dean are such big heroes because they're, they're, they save people from that. And I say, I'm not going to complain about it, but, but I can also appreciate it when it's well done. And it's, um, I, I, like I, I, I loved how, these crimes that he was doing, these killings he was doing was related to the Enochian prophecies he was getting and how she was the Red Sea and 
the, the twin brother that was the victim was the firstborn, and then the third would have been um, uh, the man with the fire. I thought it was just great. So it, so it didn't. It wasn't just a killing. It worked on several levels, and it was part of the prophecy. And this guy thought he was doing God's work. He thought he was righteous, and that happens a lot. And I just I thought it was a great part of this episode. Um, I have a tough time watching I, I also it, think it's but a, I watch it. It was a smart parallel also to do that um, juxtaposed with the Nick scenes because it's really interesting to see when you know I I come from I live in the same city Richard Ramirez was was born in not where he had his murder spree, but where he was born. And, you know, he, his excuse was the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And so to have a character where, no, the devil really did make him who he is Mm -hmm. in the same, you know, to explore that in the same episode where you're exploring someone committing murders in God's name and you're also exploring someone who, became a murderer due to Lucifer, I think was, it's really smart storytelling. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I completely agree with it, yeah. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, were like, you know, didn't really particularly like the Nick storyline in this episode from what I can, was reading on Twitter. Um, But I'm still intrigued by the Nick storyline, mainly probably because Mark Pellegrino is just, doing such a good mm-hmm. job. Um, but I have to say that I really, first of all, I thought that cop was just so smarmy that he had to be a demon. I was disappointed to find out he no, he was just a regular person. He's just apparently a jackass. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> They're also, out there. <laughs> the, the same, I, I understand, you know, uh, Bellamy Young, um, who originally played... Um, <laughs> You know, Luke, uh, Nick's wife in the first episode, and she was, you know, loose for possessed Nick's wife, that or whatever she was, um, that they can't get her anymore because she's a lot bigger star from being on Scandal and everything. But they went to all the trouble to get the house to look very similar to the house in that episode and all that. Why in the heck did they give the didn't they give the actress playing Nick's wife a short-haired wig? Because she had short hair. It's like, do ghosts' hair grow? You know, why was her hair so long? It, that just really, and really bugs me. Especially after you and I discussed uh, two episodes ago how good Cabo's uh, wig was. Yeah, yeah. We could have had, had a great short wig for this. I also think, and this is something that I wish Supernatural wouldn't do anymore, is if you can't get the same actor, don't use the character. Just, you know, you have to pivot. Yeah. And I think they, they could have done this differently. And I I guess that, and on one hand, I really like, um, Eileen and I were discussing this on, on Twitter, but I like the infidelity angle that they played. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And again, it goes into the horrific and the grotesque of the idea of Nick choosing Lucifer over his wife and 
just the way it was played. And we get that a lot with Sam and Dean, too, where you get these fairly uncomfortable parallels of them, you know, in in season four. It's it's very much an infidelity storyline between, um, you know, when you have Ruby and Sam in play. And in season 10, well, no, in season nine, you have Crowley saying that he feels like the mistress. And you have, or season eight, um, the mistress. And you have in season 10, Dean saying, does Sam want a divorce? You know, those little things that are quite uncomfortable to a degree, but I like that Supernatural plays with those aspects of you can cheat on somebody even when your relationship isn't fully romantic and you can you can push somebody away, you can have like almost an emotional affair just like you mm-hmm. did with Lucifer. And I think as disturbing as that is, I think it's also it makes for good dialogue. Mm-hmm. I I I really liked how it showed how the damage Lucifer did to Nick, how huge it was because he chose going to find Lucifer over giving his wife peace. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's huge. And, that, and you know, it, it really just shows how immensely, immensely damaged Lucifer left him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I, I just, I was just really, I'm really, really liking this storyline, and I'm very curious to see where it's going to go. I know it'll end up probably disappointing me, but I, I right now I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> well, hey, three brother episodes in a row. Who knows what's well, going to yeah. happen? You never, it might be you never know. <laughs> and you're right. I mean, you know, no matter how you feel about that storyline or not, Mark Pellegrino is just superb. I mean, he's just yeah, terrific, yeah. you know, as as Nick and yeah, and he's creepy too. I mean, he he could have just whacked that security guard or or a policeman with the bad bedpan and knocked him out and gotten away, but no, mm-hmm. you know, he 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 killed him because he still he still has Lucifer running through him. You know, whether he's there or not, he still has, like you said, the damage is so deep and so, so twisted in him. He just, it's like he can't stop himself, you know, Mm -hmm. from, from going all that way. And apparently his leg was not so, such a bum leg as he was kind of trying to say, because he was able to kick the crap out of him when he was out of that policeman, when he was down with that leg that um, Donna had shot the week before. Mhm. Hmm. Well, really good painkiller. Uh, you know, CW <laughs> healing cream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay. We we got to talk yeah. about the car scene where Dean. I was just about, about to bring it up. Yes, that that. I, 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 as much as I really enjoy, you know, I always enjoy hearing stories about when they were younger. And, of course, it's a brother scene, so you got to love it. But I thought it was really strange that it was another negative story on John 
What was John coming back next week? Yeah, John coming back next week. I thought that was really weird on several levels. Everybody knows Jeffrey Dean Morgan does not like the way they've turned John around. He said that many times because mm-hmm. when he said when he played John, he played him as a loving dad who sat, you know, who did everything he could for his boys and sacrificed himself for them. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, they've they've written this character now to where he was not such a great dad and kind of abusive, you know, and everything. And so here we know he's coming back next week. Yet in this episode, we had Dean telling the bad stories about John. I I wonder if that's actually set up for something that's going to be addressed in mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they have yeah. already spoiled for us that, you know, there's a lot of closure that will happen in this episode. Um, so if we I get four episodes of continuity, I am going to pass right out. <laughs> Because that episode <laughs> led into this one, led into last week, led into this one, and then it's going to lead into next week, the 300th. I know they brought up and they made it because they could have told any story. Dean could have been apologizing for anything or not even mentioned Dad or John. They're bringing him up, of course, to remind everybody as if we needed it that um, um, about John Winchester because that's going to lead into next week. Um Right. It's a that's reminder why I think it was specifically of, that kind of story. Yeah, I, it's like, the only we thing don't think, think you've forgotten is, him, but we're going to remind you. Hmm? Yeah, my only, I, I, wanna, I, I guess, issue with it was, again, when you're trying so hard to remind people of something, the story didn't, the story made no sense. Like, why would John send away, why would he entrust them to Dean all the time and then if Dean was acting out send him away I think they were trying to kind of play on like maybe bad boys where John left Dean to you know as a not a real punishment but like an okay fine this is what you think you want fine I think it would have been better if they would have kind of built on that something that while I don't agree with that episode in general, I have to accept that it's canon. So I think it would have been better to build on that than to kind of bring in a story that really didn't make a whole lot of sense in my opinion. I don't, I don't see what benefit it would do to Sam, John, or Dean to air quote, send Dean away from Sam. Unless you want to tell me that like, I thought it was you want John to be with your John brother, you're issues. siding with your brother, you don't get to be with your brother, and he would send yeah, like if you want away. to tell me that it's a way of, of keeping Dean from being so, I don't want to use the word obsessed because I don't think that's exactly the right word. I just can't think of the word I want to use. But so mm-hmm. dedicated to Sam and Sam only to like the possible de- to a possible detriment of maybe Sam's wrong and seems like I don't care if Sam's wrong I'm on Sam's side, which I could see mm-hmm. him doing, and I could see John kind of maybe thinking that that could get them into trouble on a hunt. I, I can see that I can I can fan wank it. I still don't think that was a well executed anecdote. 
and I do think that it was strictly for the for the call, you know, the call in of of reminding us of John and giving us a basis for the whole closure that's supposed to happen. I do think it makes the mm-hmm. potential closure more awkward, but you know, whatever. I I liked how that scene began very very much with Dean um, Michael getting worse and worse in his head, and of course he's thinking. He's headed in that box, you know, very, very soon. Um, him saying, I know I wasn't always the greatest brother to you. And I, and you didn't hear him, but the look on Sam's face was like, what? <laughs> you know, like, where the, where the hell did that come from, kind of? And then he, and I love when he tells Dean, you were the, you were the one who was always there for me, the only one, and you practically raised me. I love that theme. I love Dean being dad, mom brother everything to Sam. I, I, I agree. I love that. I'll hear the whole that thing. And that was Sam, wonderful. Sam, and then Dean. Talk. Mm-hmm. And I love Dean. I, I like Dean talking about dad and he's, and I, I can, I can see him like agreeing with John just to keep the peace. Like if you're Dean and you're stuck in the middle and you're the peacekeeper uh, trying to be the peacemaker and the gatekeeper just kind of going with John to get him to stop talking, you know, or, or going after Sam and then um, agreeing with him shuts him up, you know, great. Um, and I think I just, it was my thought, it's a little bit awkward, but I thought that maybe it turned around. Maybe Dean stopped doing that and was always taking Sam's side, especially as Sam got older and clashed with John more often um, John would punish punish Dean by sending him away, so he couldn't be with Sam, couldn't be with his brother, and that that's kind of the punishment. I, I don't know. It's like you said, it's a little bit awkward and and confusing, but I like Dean wanting Sam to make sure, making sure that um, Sam knew there were times he didn't have a choice, that he didn't leave by choice, he didn't leave Sam by choice and but you know they the scene is acted so well and sam is so upset and it's dredging it up again even though he says i left that behind you know a long time ago and um he doesn't want any more death deathbed apologies you know and he's he's angry and he's still fighting and that gives you a hint of that as all those emotions and the anger simmering and the rage and grief and everything still simmering there, which leads into when it explodes at the end of the episode into the awesomest, awesome brother scene we've had in a very long time. But yeah, I thought that was a, a nice, uh, a nice lead into that. And one interesting little thing I noticed, um, Sam's, iPad, his tablet that he's using in that scene um, shows the Wi-Fi. It shows the Wi-Fi symbol on it, so they have do have Wi-Fi in the Impala. So mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's magical. It's right there yeah. next to the CW uh, healing cream. <laughs> they have a they have a cassette player and Wi-Fi. So, awesome. <laughs> Traveling Wi-Fi. 
And I'd have taken that as okay if they were sitting out somebody's outside somebody's house, you know, or business and stealing it or, you know, hacking into it, but not when they're driving down the highway like that. Right. Nope. That's why I like the meme of um, how do they always get Wi-Fi, and it's the the crinkles in Sam's forehead. Oh, oh I yeah. love that. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And, Vinny, i got to tell you, I, you know, I was I was talking about this in last week's episode. How was Dean gonna get that box out from Donna's? He got a trailer. <laughs> we got to see you know what? I was gonna say like I know that I'm a terrible person. I'm horrible. I'm heartless. I'm whatever. But I laughed. they had the box with them, right? They were on the way, but, but Sam found them a cave. So that's why they detoured, but they were actually yeah, yeah. headed for the ocean to do this. So that's why they had it. Um, and I bet your baby just hated pulling that trailer. It's very unseemly oh, yeah. for her. I know. <laughs> and also, speaking of going too fast with a trailer, I was driving on I-95 yesterday and it was pouring rain. I mean, pouring rain. And everybody's slowing down. And a guy in a pickup truck pulling a boat went past me, probably driving like 80 miles an hour. And like oh, I said, God. not so safe. Yeah, bad idea. You know, it's just, you know. And he's not the only one who does stuff like that. I'm like, really? You're pulling a boat with a trailer? And he's weaving in and out. You know, he's changing lanes because everybody else is going, you know, a more reasonable speed in the rain. But, nope, he had to get somewhere with his boat. I don't know. There's a boat emergency. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like there isn't enough water in Florida for your boat, <laughs> you know, so whatever. Yeah. But, oh, that scene, it just broke my heart when Sam's like, uh, I, I found us a case, you know, and it's on the way. And you just know he's trying to delay this. And, and Dean's sort of like, well, uh, okay, like, okay, we'll we'll do it. Like, okay, just let's just, and they're fooling them. They think they're fooling themselves, but they're not, you know. But I just, it just broke my heart. And then Dean's like, oh, one last case for the Winchester boys. I'm like, oh my god. But I, I just yeah. thought it was so so sweet. And and they're like, well, it'll just put it off just a little bit longer, you know. And Dean just goes along with it because, you know, he doesn't want to leave that soon. But, yeah, it got to me. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. And um, I also like the scene when they go to interview um, the brother, the twin brother. And, Mm -hmm. again, it's an obvious thing, but it's also a nice parallel that, you know, um, he's lost his older brother, 
and he's my best friend, you know, my brother, and it's like losing a part of yourself, and that's also making Sam and Dean very sad and uncomfortable, but it was a nice, nice moment with the brothers, a nice little parallel. It was a super heavy moment, and I don't even care. I will, I have a sucker for it. I don't care that it was heavy-handed, including Mm -hmm. the whole, like, Four minutes apart when Sam and Dean are four years apart. Okay, I see what you did, and I'm here for it. I, I don't even care that it was just a giant yeah. hand on my head. I don't even care. Like, the blatant mm-hmm. cut to both of their reactions at certain moments. I, I, it, reminded me so, it reminded me so much of season three. Up There was, you know, quite a few season three episodes with the same thing, you know, where they know Sam Dean's going to die and go to hell at the end of the year and you know so there were you know there were moments where the story was similar to what they were going through and they would have yep. the looks and it reminded me a lot of that and I love it love it love it mm-hmm. yeah I, I I didn't mind it I loved it I mean if it'd gone on for you know on and on and on but I thought you know it was just a just a simple mention it made sense in that context and like I said, I don't care that, you know, it was an anvil. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you know, I just, I just held out my hands and said, sure, just drop that anvil right here. I'm, I'm here. I loved it. And, and it gives a nice little callback later in the episode when they have to talk about the first one. It's a nice mm-hmm. little callback there to remind you that Dean is kind of going through a similar thing and he is the firstborn. And a lot of, there was a lot of, by the way, Dean is the big brother kind of things that hit, which I, okay, so I enjoy the whole idea of Sam coming into his own and Sam, you know, being chief and at the end of season 12 where he's, you know, very much, they play on the whole general thing and yada, 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 it's great, but like, I'm just still too much of like a sucker for little brother Sam who can make himself absolutely tiny Mhm. When it comes oh to my anything gosh, having yes. to do with his big brother, he just—I mm-hmm. mean, well, I'll get—we'll get to that when we discuss that scene because I have—I have feelings. Oh yes, yes. There are many feelings, I, I, lots of them. They haven't stopped since Thursday night. I have to mention real quick that the house that this brother lived in. I'm like, I'm hoping it's your parents because the decoration hasn't changed since 1984. <laughs> and they were like, there's even oh, an ashtray on the table. And it's like, nobody has ashtrays anymore. You know, even my mom who smokes, smokes outside her house. She doesn't smoke in her house. So mm-hmm. it, it's like, it, it was, I'm like, please tell me you're not a single man living in this house. <laughs> because no, no, no. <laughs> well... <laughs> Hmm. Oh, wait. What about Donatello? What did you? Because uh, I'm wondering, uh, why in the heck did they bring him back? Is he going to have a part in this whole Michael thing? Maybe. My thing is, is once again, it has to. Co- it comes down to one of those things where uh, I, I don't. Care. <sighs> I don't care, and I don't yeah. care about. I don't care about plot lines that are specifically designed for you to remind me that Castiel exists and pretend he has some kind of purpose. I don't care. I legitimately just don't care. 
And I, I feel like we just go around in a circle of, you created this mess. Now you fix this mess. But you created this mess. I, oh, God, I'm bored. And I don't see what the point of it was. I don't really see, aside from the fact that, like, okay, I'll give you the, that the idea of it messing with the natural order of profits was kind of interesting, but I didn't get the point of he was mumbling and he activated another prophet, but it also screwed the prophet up because he was trying to rebuild his mind. And then I don't <laughs> entirely understand how did Castiel heal him. I don't. I don't understand, and I also I just don't care. Well, well we know Castiel's Cass- powers come and go at the whim of yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, Cass- they come Cass- and go, and. He has no powers one week. He has immense powers the next week. Who knows? Uh, and then with, yeah, I, the Donatello thing was confusing about whatever he, you know, he was doing and how it was messing up the guy, even though I really liked, you know, that's part of the story because it was really dark and it was really good. I, it's just one of those things you have to go with, okay, if you say so, I got it. All, all right. If you say that, yeah, that's okay. It was, it was one of those things where this, the – the effect was better than the story. Yeah. So when we come to the culmination, you're just kind of like, oh, I guess. And yeah, it just and it, I, immediate, it immediately dragged the episode down, which was, you know, saved by the last scene, but it immediately dragged the episode down. And I... And it's not like Donatello... It's not like Donatello is an important character anyways. So it's not right. you know, he's not Kevin he's not Kevin Tran, so who cares what happens to him? And so I've forgotten all about him. I thought he was dead. I don't you know that's how much I, I didn't had forget about him. I didn't necessarily forget about him, and I liked that the show didn't forget about him because it wasn't unfinished business kind of thing. I just think it would have made for better storytelling to to let him die. Yeah, so because they activated his profit and. I don't understand the point. Like, he has no soul. Like, what are you going to do with him? I don't under. I don't, and I don't care enough about the character for you to keep him in the in your back pocket. Yeah, I, I guess it had to be, I guess it had to be who was supposedly someone who was beyond hope, but all of a sudden there was a spark. So Cass could step in and say, but gave Cass a chance to say to Dean, you know, you taught me that. If there's a spark left of hope left, then there's a chance, and you keep and you keep going, and then. Um, but that didn't. It, but here's the thing. Sort that didn't of affect Dean in the least. Thing. That didn't. That didn't affect Dean in the least. So it was the point. Like it. It, yeah, it really it, didn't affect Dean. It could have been anybody. It, it, it You're right. It could have been anybody. Up. I'm just saying that particular thing. Unless, unless somehow Donatello is gonna figure into the somewhere in the rest of the season it had to be that's him. the only we, we yeah, don't that's that's don't know so far that's, but that's the only thing i can figure out is he has to he's going to have some part further along in the season uh, otherwise why in the heck him because like i said Which nobody he's, fine, he's not important i think you can do that with any prophet it doesn't have to be donatello and i do think it would probably behoove this this show to maybe not once again go, oh, you know who she? we should, like, really focus on? Another middle-aged white dude. 
Like that's one of the things I liked about Kevin Trant is that they went the route of this is not who you would think a prophet is, this teenage boy. Like he's just Mm -hmm. like whatever. And I think it would just kind of behoove them to do that. And I think here's my thing. If you are someone who is truly a fan of Castiel, I legitimately feel bad for you. Because at this point, you could remove Castiel from this entire episode to the point where the only reason I'm really speaking about him and the only reason we are speaking about him is for me to make this point. You can remove him from this entire episode, and the episode itself does not actually change. Because it's still kind of confusing whether he's the one who saved Donatello or not. And you could have had Donatello just rebuild himself and taking him off the machine be the trigger for him to natural order the world back together. You can literally remove him from the episode and it makes no difference. And there are so many episodes like that lately that I just don't understand why we're still spinning our wheels with things like this. There are so many, there are so many loose ends with that character that I don't understand Mm -hmm. why we're not giving him anything substantial to do. I do have to say I, I, the, the the angel fangirl in me, the angel of the show, not angels on Supernatural, the angel that David Boreanaz was, that angel show, that angel fangirl in me likes seeing him in this episode because at the beginning we had Dean pulling the Connor, which Connor put Angel in the ocean due to his devotion to Holtz, and it was the actor who plays Donatello who played Holtz. So I I kind of like that little Keith Therabica. Yeah, I can't pronounce his Keith last Therabica. name, so that's why I just went. That, I can't pronounce that name, so that's why it's just the actor it's, who plays it's, it's Therabica. Therabica. There, Keith okay. Therabica. I, I I used to watch the Equalizer, the TV the TV show the Equalizer with Edward Woodward, and um, Keith Therabica played a badass CIA operative. And he was amazing. And he looked in such a polar opposite that I did not recognize him as playing when he was on the, I said, where is he? You know, this is a completely different. I know people change over the years, of course, and I have seen him in other things, been around a long time, but yeah. And that's, that's where I learned to pronounce his name. <laughs> I used to watch the equalizer and, and, um, I know I'd still Funny. screw it up, so I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> okay. Well, Keith. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's very good. I actually, I actually liked the the little scene with Kath and, and Dean. Um, when Dean says to him, you know, he's trying to stop you, and Dean says, "If you're a friend of mine, you won't stop me." and think this is easy on me. And I actually thought that scene was okay with him. You know, it's, it's been a while, though I kept, just when he's talking, all I could think of is that Misha looks like he needs a week of sleep. <laughs> I don't know if that was for Kaz or if Misha actually needed a week of sleep, but that's all I kept thinking when I, I saw him. I mean, anyway, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> I understand, but... That was my thought watching the scene. I said, my God, Misha needs like a week of sleep. We know Cass doesn't need it. <laughs> but you should. But, and, and again, I would um, say, like, whether that scene was, you know, you like, you like them. You can almost say that Dean was 
being manipulative and he was to a degree because he was he was using that to shut the conversation down. Uh-huh. But again, you can still remove that scene and the show that the plot mm-hmm. of the episode is completely oh, unaffected. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. 100% agree. That's very true. Very true. He's just not again, it doesn't matter in this any scene he's in in this episode to take him out. And it's okay. And, and I know the next but, thing I'm going to say will make will probably upset cast fans. But uh, the end scene with Sam and Dean when Castiel walks up on it, I was like, "Go away! You're intruding. Go away!" He was not needed. Oh, I in that the end same scene. Thing. <laughs> I said, "Go like, away! Are you are here? Doing here?" I said, "Get." Out. Don't bother. But you know what? It didn't matter because Sam and Dean barely acknowledged him being there. Barely. Well, and I think um, and like, I think in that in that in that instance, it did seem more like okay, because we're gonna kind of go backwards, but because I want to make this point, but I don't want this point to be close to what we end on. Um. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is is that. It, Dean doesn't actually believe that there's another way. You can tell in the way uh, mm-hmm. Jensen played it. You can tell in the dialogue where he's still telling Sam, but if you need to do this, you will do this. Mm-hmm. And I think the only right. real purpose of class being there and for that scene was much like when Dean thought that he would have, that someone would have to kill him because of the mark. These are things that Dean knows that Sam really can't do. Because, you know, Dean's been there as well. But mm-hmm. Dean does think, Dean does trust that Cass can do it. You know, friend or not, mm-hmm. not there's mm-hmm. emotional investment not nearly the same. Uh, it, it's just not. And so I did kind of feel that that was more of a, in the same vein of that, it was when it comes down to it, and this has to be done. Sam can't do it. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Yeah, there was nothing in that scene that made me feel like Dean sincerely believes that this there is another another answer. Because then, oh, yeah. I think I think he's humoring Sam in that moment, and I think he's also saying, "Fine, I will let Sam." have time to try. And I feel like mm-hmm. Dean's point of view is, I will give Sam the opportunity to understand that there's no other answer. I will mm-hmm. give Sam the opportunity and to understand that he did everything he could, that it's not his fault, it's not, that there's nothing that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like I love the way... That. I do like the way that it was directed and played where, yes, Cass comes up and he's briefly included, but I really thought it was a smart acting and directing choice to have Dean immediately refocus his attention solely on Sam. Because at the end of the day, all all Sam is doing is saying, don't leave me, and Dean is going... Dean just breaks under that resolve, just like he said he would in the episode previous. When I love it comes that. to each other, 
logic flies out the window and they will let the world burn for the other one, even if the other one doesn't want them to. So this was, I love how it again, fine. I'll put the world in danger because my little brother is sad. I, I love how last week, again, it's great continuity and consistency. Dean says, you know, I, I didn't tell you because you're the, uh, you're the only one who could, who could talk me out of this. And this week's episode, that's exactly what Sam did. He was the only one. He was the only one who, like you said, I don't think uh, Dean feels like there was any other answer, but he's, but he's changing his, uh, he's putting off his decision. He's changing this because of Sam for his, for his little brother. And he's going to, like you said, he's going to give him that chance. He's going to back off and he's the only one that he would do it for. If it was anybody else, he would have just continued with his plan and be done with it. But Sam, Sam wants the time. Sam wants the chance to try and think of a solution. And like he says, you know, it's a, Sam feels like they're throwing, Dean's throwing everything they stand for away that they, every, they don't give up on anybody else, you know, but you're giving up on, you know, faith and family, everything we, you know, we stand for, we're the ones that saved the world. You know, but you're but you're throwing in the towel so so soon, and I, well, and I can't say enough. Is, yeah, the what? irony of that is that Dean is saving the world by do by in terms of his plan. Like that is as far as he knows how to save the world. Sam's point isn't really about saving the world; it's about don't mm-hmm. leave me. And I think mm-hmm. that it was a really smart decision to have Sam be at the brink where he's drinking alone. He's upset to the point where he hits Dean. Like those are very out of character things for Sam. And I think Mm -hmm. it took that for Dean to realize while he thinks he's doing the right thing and logistically he is doing the right thing. Like as somebody who, in theory, lives in the world they're saving. Mm-hmm. He is doing the right thing by throwing himself in the ocean. And he is admitting he's scared about it and all of this. It does take Sam being just for Dean to, to understand how much this is screwing Sam up is enough for Dean to go, fine, I won't do this. Not Not yet. I'll give you time to get used to the fact that we're going to have to do this as far as Dean's mm-hmm. And I, I think thought they, they were both amazing, but Jared was just transcendent. One of my favorite moments is he's so angry and he's so upset and, and he's trying to get through to Dean when he, when he smacks him in the chest, not the punch, when he's, yeah. he he whaps him in the chest twice, move. two different times. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's, it's like the little brother move. Listen to me. Yeah, I'm it's gonna get such, through to you and somehow. It's, a, it's so hard, I think, for actors to play drunk really well. It's hard to do that kind of thing subtly because when you're drunk, you don't really know how you are. You know how people tell you you are, but that's not how you think you are. Um, and I think 
the subtlety in which Jared played this very fine line between drunk, sad, angry, petulant, and literal snot-nosed little brother. And the way that he was able to, like, like I said earlier, he, he can make himself... He is four solid inches and probably a good 20 pounds heavier than Jensen is. And that he can make Mm -hmm. himself so small and so vulnerable in his big brother's Mm -hmm. arms is such an amazing thing that they both do because it takes both of them for that to, for that to work. Mm -hmm. I love how, I love how Dean is still hugging Sam. Like Sam is a foot shorter than he is because he's the big brother. So he puts his arms around Sam's neck always. He's done that yeah. always. That's how he hugs Sam. That's his little brother. And he's used to um, like in uh, uh, the scene with the fireworks out in the field and it's Colin Ford, but the height for Sam at that age is right. So he just, he takes Sam in his arms and of course he's taller. His arms go around his shoulders, you know, around his neck. And he still does that. Like you say, even now when Sam is four inches taller and 20 pounds heavier he still gathers him up that way as big brother. And it's a, it's a, it's such a beautiful touch. It's such a beautiful moment. And I was, I was tearing up, you know, pretty much through the whole thing. But when, Mm -hmm. when Dean grabs him after he punches him and Dean grabs him and he's holding him and Sam is crying and saying, why don't you believe in us? Oh my God! Mm-hmm. I was full on sobbing. I know. I mean, it, it, it was. I love oh, when it, he, Sam. I I can't tell that, who started hugging first. It was was it Dean? Was it Sam? Or was yeah. Sam was going to hit him, but changed his mind? And it's it was. It's I, I, Sam goes to hit him yeah. again. Dean pulls him in, and then Sam clutches at the back of Dean's jacket. It's it's very. I love when he grabs hold of the jacket. He's got moment. that handful of jackets. Yeah, it's a very perfectly choreographed moment in terms of emotional balance. It, it, it's just, that that to me was the ultimate big brother little brother moment, where Dean's mm-hmm. holding him, com- holding him, trying to comfort him a little, and Sam's mm-hmm. just crying and saying, "Why don't you believe in us?" That was mm-hmm. the ultimate big brother little brother moment for me, and it just broke yeah. me. It it broke me. Yeah. It was his tone of voice looking, like I said, small and vulnerable. And I love when Sam takes a handful of Dean's jacket and just hangs on. It's just, and it's, it was a very, it was a good long hug, you know. It needed to be. And it, it was oh, just just wonderful. And I love how he says, okay, Sam, let's go home. And Sam can't even believe what he heard at first, you know. And he says, I believe in us, too. And Dean believes in Sam. That's who he believes in. And a, when he says... It was a really good moment. Hmm? It was a perfect moment. And when, and, when, and when Dean says, you know, maybe, he's Bill, maybe Billy's wrong... Maybe. And the facial expression is he kind of gives that 70s 
sad little smile and shrugs like he really doesn't think she's wrong and he knows what he's got to do, but he says it for Sam and just the way he, he looks. And then, and he makes Sam promise, you know, when it comes time, you know, you'll let me go. And I love Jensen's voice breaking on the word promise. Yes. You know. Yes. And, uh they were just, both of them were just spectacular. And not to stop talking about how the beauty of that scene, mm-hmm. but when he mm-hmm. says maybe Billy's wrong, you know, we had heard mm-hmm. before um, that Michael was not the big bad of the season. You know, they had said that in interviews before. It makes me wonder if it's going to be mm-hmm. Billy, if she's been lying this whole time. Well, she could, sure. I mean, she could have easily be manipulating Dean. She's never liked mm-hmm. the Winchesters. <laughs> no, she's always, she's, you, you know, know, she's always wanted them dead because they've cheated death so much. Mm-hmm. So, mm. um, when Dean pats Sam's cheek and says, you know, don't hit me again, okay? <laughs> yeah. And pats his cheek. Let's go home. I know some some people were wondering was that was that in the script? Was that something Jensen did? Could have gone either way. I mean, I, and I'm not sure because it's, it's a nice callback to season one because he does it in season one, and he does it periodically. I it's hard to tell if it's a Jensen tick or a Dean tick. Mm. What I thought was interesting is it was a it was you know it's usually well used to be we haven't had scenes like this in a long time but it was always Dean getting mad and punching Sam and mm-hmm. this time it was the other way around I thought that was mm. really interesting because we've seen Dean, Dean punch Sam surprised. yeah mm-hmm. we've seen Dean punch Sam quite often and. Very rarely do we see Sam punch Dean out like that. Yeah, yeah. And Dean didn't react like he didn't hit him back. He didn't get angry. You know, he 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 understood where that was coming from. You know, he was so understanding. And and your instinct is when you get hit, usually is to fight back. You know, at least that's Sam and Dean's personalities when someone else. And speaking of this, this is backing up a little bit. When um, Sam and Dean rescue um, rescue the third victim that was going to burn, and um, so they catch Tony, and then Tony realizes what's been going on, and he he attacks Dean. Sam picks him up and throws him across the room. He doesn't just pull him off or whatever. He's across the room. <laughs> so that's uh, that's pretty impressive. And then he Sam's tried, pretty angry. He, and he tries to choke him out, which, you know, I don't think we've yeah. ever seen Sam do we I don't I don't remember seeing Sam ever do that before. I think the closest yeah, we can and, get to showing that level of violence would be Gordon. Yeah. Like that kind of violence, where it's violence for almost for violence's sake. But I think for Sam, it was this this thing of, I'm on borrowed time with my brother, and you are not about to shorten that. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 
Now, my question in that was, why why doesn't Sam have a gun? Because because when he when Tony has uh, gets Dean's gun, Sam steps in front of Dean. And he's going, hey, hey, no, no, and he's trying to talk. And if he'd had a gun, he would have pulled it. Think I think I think it's a very in character moment have. because Sam does tend to go for the idea of saving versus giving up on somebody. So I think for him it is this moment of I'm not going to pull my gun and make this a bloodbath. I'd rather talk him down. But but it's a gun on Dean. Their intention was not for this guy to die, which is why they don't want him to shoot himself. Mm-hmm. That was not their intention. No. Their intention is, you know, mm-hmm. to save which I think I think always gets a little muddy in the waters because now it's like, oh, by the way, let's just stab the vessel because, like, whatever, and, you know, run around mm-hmm. and waiting and fighting all kinds of vessels. But the reality is, is when it's a human, they try to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting thing about this episode is the very last scene when um, – the episode's over, and the first part of the last credits come up, and the screen usually goes to black, and yes. it went white instead. Yeah, I'm very curious about yep. that. What that meant? Yep. What do you um, What do you all think? Got any theories? It's happened before. It happened. Um, that was when I Lucifer read, um, rose, someone... right? Yeah. Because I remember so. the same time that um, our finale or whatever ended in white with a white screen, Lost did too. Um, they had an episode mm-hmm. the same week that ended with a white screen. Mhm. So that's interesting. My, I don't my know. assumption is, is that everything that is going on with the combination of Michael and Nick, I think mm-hmm. is going to summon Lucifer from the AE world. Isn't Lucifer in the AU world okay. dead? Michael killed him. Yeah. So we've heard. So he says. That's true. That's true. We show love. They yeah. love their retcon. So but like, isn't Lucifer... And we don't Lucifer, know how many AU worlds there are. Isn't Lucifer still around? No, that's though, true. This, isn't Lucifer still around in this world, though? I, I admit I have not been... No. I thought he was those dead. Have, it, pr- <laughs> prior to these three... Felt. Right, but there there was the whole t- Terminator Two thing in that one episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, to them, and Nick's looking for him. Them, Nick's looking not. for him. Yeah, according to them, he's not. That he didn't die. According to the current he's, narrative, he's not dead. Yeah, he's no, he's rejuvenating. Dead. They still he's have rebuilding. to rebuilding. What the Terminator Two thing is. Okay. We all assume it's Lucifer, and it might be, but in terms of the canon of the show, it has not been explored. He looked a lot like the Terminator. Yeah, yeah which Lucifer does not look like the Terminator, so we don't we don't technically know at this point. No. Oh, true. And I don't I don't trust um, this show not to be some random ass like out of left field that makes no sense kind of thing. So I tend to not. Mm. 
Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe I'm he's going to possess, um, you know, Adam's still in the cage. Maybe Lucifer's going to take over Adam's body and bring, Adam will be Lucifer. <laughs> I mean, probably not, but, you know, you keep trying. Hey, you know, i gotta, I got to come up with my yeah. series to get Jake back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Lord love you for it, but, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Another another nice little moment I thought when in the last scene when Dean says well, you know that's it let's let's go home he gets in the car Cass gets in the back seat and Sam walks around to his side of the car and before he gets in he takes one last look at the Malik box it's just a nice little moment like it's still there you know and they're going home but he just kind of takes one little tiny last look at it I just thought it was a nice moment. I didn't even catch that. I'll have to rewatch that. Oh, what hardship it will be to have to rewatch that scene. I know. I mean, I've only watched it, I've only watched <laughs> it like 47 times. So. Right, right. I know. And it's everywhere. I mean, the CW's been using it in their promos and showing almost all of it again and everything. I They've been, um, they showed a lot of brother stuff, which is fine with me. But it was nice. Even they were picking stuff out. I was Although I do feel like it was a really big spoiler scene to show to post for the West Coast people. Like, really? You're going to post the last scene in almost its entirety? I'll never understand how how social... I, I know. Let me rephrase that. I understand how social media marketing works. I just will never understand why companies think the way they do it is a good idea. It's like, remember when Walking Dead posted that picture of um, Daryl carrying out, what was her name, Beth, um, the yep. blonde? Yeah. Um, you know, which was a huge surprise when she died, and they posted a picture of it everywhere after the East Coast episode aired. Yeah, and, and networks um, are having a lot, and networks do that to a detrimental level where they just assume that everyone is on East Coast Central Time and just start spoiling like crazy and let their actors spoil in live tweets and that's one of the things that I do enjoy about uh, when Jared and Jensen do on occasion tweet is they will tweet the, almost always tweet the West Coast airing mm-hmm. if they can and I always and I, yeah. as somebody who usually does watch the East Coast feed I still appreciate that just because it bugs me oh yeah it's, it's and you know because you know you know, with Winchester Bros, we can't retweet those yet because we don't want to spoil. No. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like we're not going to be the asshole you know, in that scenario. I'd rather be the network. You all feel free to be the assholes. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> not going to be the asshole. I, can, I do that just fine on my own. I don't need the network to <laughs> enable me. I am perfectly capable of being that asshole all by myself. <laughs> you know, PR departments, you know, who do the promotional ads and all that, they, I mean, there's a long history of them just not having a clue sometimes about the shows they're working on or whatever, because I just, I remembered years ago, I used to watch Quantum Leap and there was an ad, and this was long before social media of any kind, and there was an ad in TV Guide and it was a picture of Sam leaped into a character that was on death row and he was going to be sent to the electric chair. And they had a picture of the 
character, Sam, Sam Beckett, in the electric chair, and they had some crazy pun, like, oh, it's going to be a shocking thing or something like that for Sam. Like, my goodness, you know, <laughs> there's no no tax, you know. That was a very, it was a very serious episode, and they had made some big joke out of it. And like, you guys don't watch the show, do you? <laughs> you know, you haven't really seen this episode, have you? So, yeah, there's just a long history of, you know, promotional things just not having a full handle on uh, their shows that they deal with. So I go back to, it is one of those things that, like I said, I get why they do it. Because on social media, when you are looking at engagement numbers to present to advertisers, your advertisers don't ask you, are these numbers of engagement for people you pissed off or people who are happy about what you posted? They just look at the engagement mm-hmm. numbers. So mm-hmm. it is this kind of thing, and, and the company that I work for is currently doing the same thing on purpose, same things on social media to rile people up. As mm. somebody who social media and who is an employee, I don't agree with the practice. I think it's a bad move. I'm not in a position within the company to say, guys, bad idea. You don't understand how social media works. You're all like 60. But, and, and, your dem- and your demographic is around the same age. And I don't, like, you have people who are in an older demographic who do understand social media, but the majority of people don't anyway, especially if you go really high or really, young, really young, uh, low in age. But, again, when they're providing numbers to sponsors and advertisers, they're just going to go, look, we made this post, and look at how many people actually engage with it. These many, this many people care about what we're doing. And your advertisers are never going to say, what was the context of the post and what were the context of the engagement? They're just going to go, oh, okay, those are good numbers. Because even the advertisers don't really care. They just want to go, so how many eyes were on this? How many eyes will potentially see our advertisement, good or bad? Our product is irrelevant. If we're selling toilet paper, we don't care whether they liked your show. We care that they saw that we sell toilet paper. I'm a huge fan of the magicians. I mean, I love, 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 almost to the obsession point with it. And I'm loving how their episode descriptions are for this season. They are not giving out any spoilers at all. I mean, two weeks ago the premiere (laughs) aired, and the um, description for the episode was, Brian takes a friend out for ice cream. Sam is one week away from retirement. Okay, if you watch the episode, you would see that Brian, who is actually Quentin, it's a whole deal, you you would know if you watch the show, did take um, Elliot out for ice cream, but it's, uh, you know, Elliot killed the ice cream guy. And it was that they were out for ice cream. It was just a scene. Sam is one week, you know, it, and it, it's like the episode this week, Dean Fogg gets a new suit. That was the description. And, yeah, Rick Worthy and one part of it did get a new suit, but, you know, that wasn't what the episode was about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, for, for next week, Katie gets a puppy, Quentin meets a snake. The fourth episode, Josh gives Margo a muffin, Julia drinks schnapps. And the fifth episode is there are some flashbacks while Alice and Quentin confront a dog. That's their descriptions for the episodes. 
And it's cracking me up because we have no idea what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I, I think, you know, I don't watch The Magicians, but I do plan to at some point. Oh, it's so but good. I think that, that actually speaks a lot to Sarah Gamble in that Sarah Gamble is somebody who trusts her, her audience. And sometimes, you know, you do have um, showrunners and networks that just don't trust your audience. Like I do think, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but every single episode recap for this season in Supernatural, the recaps are really long for some reason. Mm-hmm. And the past two episodes, the recap has been over two minutes, which means the episodes themselves are under 40 minutes. It's, I, I, I think you, I, and I always have appreciated that about Sarah, that Sarah is somebody who trusts her audience. And I think that's something that a lot of shows can stand to, and I think a lot of, as social media gets bigger, I think a lot of networks should understand as well. Uh, anybody who's listening but, who hasn't watched The Magicians, including you, Vinny, and Susan, I don't think you watch either, you got to watch. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. The, the first season, it starts off slow, but keep with it because I am so obsessed with this show. It's just so very mm-hmm. good. I watched the pilot. I know it was a, it was a while ago, and I, I don't know. I mean, I keep, maybe because you said it yeah. starts slow, and I'll, I'll have to stick with it. But I wasn't, I, I wasn't yeah. that interested, and then unfortunately, well, you know, I had a I whole lot of real with, life, yeah, and I, I just didn't watch anything for a couple of years. So I wasn't maybe I wasn't in love with the pilot either, and I actually only I, when it first started, I only watched a few of the episodes, and I was like, eh, this isn't my cup of tea. But then I came back for like the last three or four episodes of the season and I was like oh my god this is fantastic so then I went Mm -hmm. back and rewatched the first full season and then second and third seasons were some of the best tv ever and I watch a lot of tv okay so that's saying a lot and this fourth season is starting out really really good too so really good and it just got um even before season four aired, Sci-Fi renewed it for a fifth season. But as everybody knows, Sci-Fi tends to end shows at the fifth season. So I'm scared to death that they renewed it for a fifth season just so they can cancel it. And ugh, that that's got me upset. So I'm hoping that's not true. But that's my magician's thing. Go watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But there's just not enough time <laughs> to watch it's, everything I want to. It's filmed in Vancouver, so you see a lot of supernatural people. And Rick Worthy plays Dean Fogg, who's one of the main cast, so that's also very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am I'm looking forward to Veronica Mars returning. <laughs> That'll be watching. Yes. Me too, me too. So excited. Yep. And I'm looking forward to Good Omens, the adaptation of Good Omens. That's a great book. Have you read it? That's going to be on. I I have not, but I'm looking forward to the show because of David Tennant, so. Yes. He plays um, plays Crowley. He plays Crowley, yes. Yeah, and he's perfect for that. 
Um, I, you, I love the book. I, I read it a couple of times. It's just wonderful. It's uh, as they say. As they say it's the funniest. It's the funniest book about the apocalypse that you'll ever read. <laughs> <laughs> you got any shows you're watching, Vinny? You want to recommend? I don't really watch TV that much. <laughs> I don't. I know. I don't own a TV. My shame <laughs> of the world. I don't own a television set, people. <laughs> I watch well, the, streaming, and I watch a lot of true crime that nobody cares about, so no. Oh, I watch true crime. Mm, but, I've been um, watching the, smi- the Smiley Face Killers on Oxygen. Um, but the first three seasons of Magicians no true crime are on Netflix. For me. So, I live in Florida. I just read the newspaper Netflix. every day. <laughs> hmm? And... Uh, the first three seasons of Magicians are on Netflix, so you can catch up there. So, have we talked this episode out? Are we done with it? Okay, I are we so. done? Um, I also, oh, hey, news. Also, the person who the person who clocked this, I disagree with their their math. Well, I don't. I disagree with their categorization. So. In my opinion, this is actually the longest Winchester hug we've had uh, all series. They are counting uh, all hell breaks loose. I do not agree that clutching your bro- your dead brother's corpse to you as he dies, a hug. as he bleeds to death, no, not quite a hug. Yeah, no, that's not a hug. As a hug. Uh, I refuse to count no. that as a hug. That uh, no. So. Mm-hmm. Going by that, this is the longest Winchester hug we've had, and I do. I will also say that, in my opinion, I think it's the best one we've had, which is amazing, given mm. that we are 14 seasons into this show and have had several gut punch hugs. Um, mm-hmm. This was a good one. This is. And this is two hugs in two weeks. Yeah, and two really good ones. I will never, ever stop yelling about Dean's uh, 5 o'clock shadow getting Velcro to Sam's hair. I will never stop uh-huh. yelling about that. Um, I saw that. I commented that on. I said I just loved how his chin just kind of went through Sam's hair and lifted it up. and uh, And then... In this hug, in this episode, their heads were like glued together at the end. They were so tight and they were so close. You could see. And I, what I, like, one of my favorite parts has stuck. <laughs> one of my favorite parts about this hug was the coverage on Sam, on Jared while he's hugging him, that just slightly parted mouth, that, that just that pain you have when you're. When something's happening that someone is hugging you in that same way that Dean is hugging him, and you just can't, you can't even take an air properly, it was that. It's mm-hmm. just, oh. Yes. I will yell about so powerful for, for so long, and I don't even care. These are the brothers that I, this is what I started watching the show yep. for. This is why I continue to watch this show, and... I'm not the kind of person who's always going to be like, we need a hug, we need a hug, because I do think if we got hugs all the time, it dilutes it. Um, 
because yeah, I they wouldn't be as part much. Of, part of what made this hug so powerful was, you know, like Sam said, we hug when the world is ending, which is not really true. They hug when their world is ending. Yep. And also when their world comes back online, when one of them comes back to life, they hug. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that Sam... But they're monumental kind of moments. Deep. They're not casual... Yeah, but for Sam... They're, they're monumental really moments. For them. But Sam can't monumental separate for them. Yeah. And I love, in this in this hug, you know, Sam just clinging to Dean and and the tears on his face and messed up hair. And then when Dean says, let's go home. And then he just, he's in, he looks shocked. Like he can't believe what he just heard, you know, that I, that finally, you know, he got through for the moment and, and Dean has, has changed his mind for the moment and they're going home. But he just, they were both just amazing. in that team, just amazing. Jared really, Episode. I think both of them the whole episode. But yeah, that final scene is a classic for sure. Still thinking about it days later. Still watching it again. Oh, yeah. You know, online, on my phone, on my TV, uh, you know, <laughs> over and, and over. Every, every time I rewatch it, I still ball like a baby at the end. Yeah. Yep. Just that little moment when Jensen's voice breaks on promise. When Jensen's voice breaks on promise. You know. uh, We are running out of lifetime. We're just about out. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Is there any Winchester Bros business? I hope everybody out there follows us on Twitter and visits our Facebook and visits our website and all the news and information all the time, winchesterbros.com, at winchesterbros and winchesterbros on Facebook. Becky, do you have any, like, news or things happening we need to Just that we, the big news, you know, of course, was that we got renewed for a 15th season, so. Oh, my God. This is the show, (laughs) yeah, this is the show that will never end. (laughs) Well, you know, Jeffrey Dean said he'd come back for episode 600, and I'm starting to think, yep, 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 good, (laughs) good to hear, because we're going to have it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. My gosh. Mm -hmm. Well, they're still so, you know, I mean, for the network, it's still so great. I mean, they talk about what a great lead-in Supernatural is. It's always, you know, steady, reliable, show in, show out, so that's quite a... Quite a compliment for them, and it's still the same. That the, you know, the ratings are hanging in there. They're a little less, but they're still hanging in there, better than some. And and Jared and Jensen want to do it, which I think they do, because obviously they still agree and say yes. And I really, really, really think they enjoy what they got going. You know, they love their families, they love their home in Texas, but they also love their their job, their Vancouver home, and their Vancouver family. So they like it. So as long as they're happy, the show carries on. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I just can't I'll, give them. I'll up. be here. 
<laughs> I'll be here till the end. As long as Jared and Jensen are with the show, I'll be there. So. Yep, as long as Jared and Jensen are in together, I'm in. So. And they're pretty much, they'll make the decision together. Like one's not going to go and the other stay. They'll go together. Oh. Okay. Is that everything? Is that everybody? Uh, Benny, you oh. have any last nope. words? <laughs> All right. We're good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, big podcast next week. Really big episode, number 300. Big time. Uh, big John Winchester's coming back, so we'll probably have plenty to talk about. And we'll see you then. We'll let the boys take us out. Night, everybody. Night, all. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.